and welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we're Qualified London Blue Badge Tourist Guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacy.com as well as our dedicated podcast website ladieswholondon.com we're getting too good at this it's starting to become scary <laughs> it is you know we need to like make a few more mistakes we do. it's been a few weeks because people are going to be like this is this isn't alex and emily what's going on <laughs> <Far> too slick <laughs> imposters oh how, how are, are you, you? oh yeah i'm fine <laughs> how are you <laughs> <laughs> i'm good and i feel like obviously this week's been a bit of a biggie oh goodness um, me I'm always the one yeah and i don't think on last week's pod the queue oh um hashtag big up the queue the um i don't think people had started queuing this time last week had they um no uh I think it was Wednesday evening it started or Thursday evening, but yeah, it was right. yeah, it was yeah, definitely yeah. pre-queue and it was definitely, we knew that there was a lying in state going to happen, but we did. I mean, the queue, I was obsessed with the queue, obsessed. Me too. Like I properly, I don't know if any of our listeners, I know some of our listeners did go into the queue because yeah. well, last weekend we did our biscuit factory trip, didn't we? Which was so we much fun. We did to the peak freeze biscuit factory, and to and because it was literally around the corner from where the queue started, just completely by by random. Um, two of our listeners on the way home just went, "Ah, eh, we'll go in." So shout out to Karen and Susan, who just went, "Ah, it looked like a good atmosphere," and they just got in the queue and oh, waited for like twelve hours ladies. for the lying in state, having not planned to do it at all. I think they had Susan's husband come and deliver them uh, coats and food and stuff and stuff. Point, but yeah, they did. I kept us updated, didn't they? They let yeah. us know, you know, whereabouts they were and how long it was taking. So almost, even though you and I, you know, didn't get in the queue, I feel like I kind of did because I followed so many people's journeys along the way. I was obsessed. With it. I found it. I found it inordinately funny. I just genuinely don't know why. I was sitting at home one day, just working, and I just kept checking in on the queue, and it just kept going. Oh, oh 18 hours, 24 hours, 19 hours, and I, I was just laughing. I don't know why. I think I was a bit overtired, but genuinely, we are a mad, mad country, aren't we? We really are, and it was just mad uber british and the people that i've spoke to that got in the queue just said that the the temperament of people was so placid so calm so respectful yeah. you know i mean who is gonna wait 18 hours in a queue and still be okay by 10 hours susan in? and karen that's who susan and karen not me i would be an absolute mess no i'd have, I'd have uh, had a tantrum about an hour in i think oh my goodness oh, i mean my just Lord. the most bonkers thing i have to say on the last evening that it was on, I got serious FOMO. Uh, because you a couple did. Of our, I got yeah, so FOMO. You, 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 I thought you were going. I thought you were going to walk. I thought I was you going. going to get into it. I was chatting to one of my colleagues, Anne, and we were just going, should we go? Should we go? No, let's not go. Let's not go. And all mm. of that last day, we were going, should we go? Should we go? And then about 9.30, I messaged her and I was like, are we, we're not going, are we? She said, well, are we not? And I said, I don't know, are we? And then we very <sighs> nearly did. And then we thought, actually, it's going to close anytime now and then it closed like 20 minutes later so we were like it's fine but i mean what a deeply deeply mad thing to have happened a queue stretching over five miles through london to see a lady and towards where you live 
live and where yeah. I used to live. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. Nick and I, we were joking about, you know, oh, you know, is it probably reaching London Bridge? And I looked on the tracker and I was like, you're not going to believe where it is. It's yeah. in Suffolk Park, 4.6 miles. It was oh. almost <laughs> directly outside your front door, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Yeah, it was. Hilarious. Hilarious. Man. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we've had quite a lot on. So we had... Well, not not just Queenie stuff. We'll we'll come to the funeral in a moment, but we um, uh, we had our lovely Peak Freen's biscuit factory trip, which oh, it was so lovely to see so many of our listeners there. Mm. Um, and we had a great trip round with Frank, who by oh, the sounds Frank. of it had worked there since the dawn of time and knew everything about the, the factory. He it was fantastic. Did. He was biscuit obsessed, and oh, it was lovely. There were so many beautiful things in there in cabinets like tins and. There was the replica of the cake that they gifted to Queen Elizabeth II's wedding. We ate some of the previous replica. We did. It was a little stale. The old icing. You know, we've done it. A little stale. But we've done it. It's in our system. Um, Actually, it's probably one of the bill. I'm not ready. (laughs) We should also say this podcast has gone up um, half a day late just because Emily's been ill and I've been moving house. Um, and so we just didn't get around to it yesterday, but uh, yeah, maybe it was the... so sorry, guys. But no, I don't want to say that it was Frank's icing. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to. I don't want to blame it on Peak Greens. Um, but no, feeling but a feeling a bit better than I did yesterday. It was so lovely. Yeah, to see yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, thanks so much for everybody making the effort and coming along. And I, I, I brought biscuits with me, didn't I? You did. I mean, more biscuits than I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Came along <laughs> with a little sort of red riding hood basket yeah. full of bourbons and custard creams. And on genuinely blessed people like Fiona and Keone who had re-listened to the podcast that day. I hadn't. I'd forgotten everything. And were able to answer Frank's very um, pointed question. Uh, what were bourbons first called before they were called the name that we now know by? something like that along those lines yeah um, something like that yeah but yeah we were very impressed it was a lot of fun yeah it was a lot of fun, yeah. lot of fun. And, then, and then of course uh yeah go for it old statey fumes on the monday state funeral oh, state. <laughs> we had platy jubes statey fumes yeah the funeral that was that was uh that was a bit epic, wasn't it? it that was wasn't you know, your run of a meal Monday. No. It definitely um, wasn't. Did you watch the whole thing? I did watch the whole thing. Um because I'm currently staying well, I've I've moved now, finally, which genuinely nearly broke me. A couple of breakdowns, standing in my house, crying, looking at everything, going, I don't know where to start until my friend came and bailed me out. Um, but yeah, so uh, I'm now staying in West London with a friend who is um, a very, very big monarchist. So we were definitely going to watch it. Um, and we watched, yeah, pretty much all day of it. But I had a vested interest, of course, in watching it. Because cool. my dad was part of it, which was very exciting. He was. And you were sending fabulous screenshotted images of your dad standing next to Joe Biden. Yeah. So and, not only uh, just being in the thick of it with his medals. Not oh. only was my dad part of it, um, he <laughs> seems to have been splashed all over the media because the he, he was the guy who ushered. Um, he's he's an usher. He's a gentleman usher to the Queen, and he was the guy who led Joe Biden and his wife Jill down to their seats. And so that is the the screenshot that all the papers have been using of Jill and Joe Biden with my dad. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny brilliant so uh 
So yeah, and I did speak to my dad today and because I, I did a whole thing on Instagram while we were watching, I kind of put a little picture up going, oh, it's my dad. And everyone went, what? And it kind of flipped out a bit. So it ended, it come, became quite a sort of epic um, day on the story. You were, so, you were so cash about it. That's what it was so shocking. It was just like, oh, you know, we just sat there watching the funeral. And then it was like, oh, there's my dad. Like, what? Well, I have to say, shout out to, to our, our mutual friend, Russell, who messaged me. And before I'd even said anything, went, is that your dad? <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't even met him, but well done, Russell. And, wow. um, uh, and yeah, so my stories kind of went a bit nuts and so I thought well we'll do some stuff on the crown jewels and things like that but there were so many questions that came in about my dad and his role and blah 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 so I've spoken to him today and um he is willing to come on next week Yay! for a quick five to ten minute chat to tell us kind of all about it like what his role is how he got it um all that sort of stuff so what we're going to do listeners is if you would like to ask a question of my dad um email it in um he obviously can't kind of answer any personal questions to do with the royal family and you know what did i don't know what was queen liz's favorite this that and the other he can't he can't do all of that um because that is you know between him and his employer yes um, protocol protocol absolutely uh, but yeah if you'd like to know anything about his role as gentleman usher if you'd like to know kind of what it was like at the funeral if you'd like to know what he does send in some questions and we'll we'll ask him next week we're gonna get him on We'll do a little bit at the start. It won't be the, the whole podcast next week. It'll be just the beginning. But um, send some, some questions in and we'll we'll ask him. Gosh, I have, so many, I have so, many, so many questions already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're just going to be answer, asking them all, aren't you, man? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mainly about you and you're a child. But... <laughs> oh, no, don't, no. That bit will be edited out. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, yes. Yeah, the so key holder so... of the editor. So feel free to feel free to, to email them in. So um, what's our email? I can't actually remember. Uh, ladies who oh, London. Don't. Oh, yeah. oh yes, it's uh, ladies who Yes, it is. You're quite right. Well done. Well done. Uh, so send us an email, or you can do it on WhatsApp or or on Instagram too. That's totally fine. And we will, yeah, we'll ask him. So have you got any shout outs or parish notices that you want to do before we start? Um, I do actually. So. Um... We've had a couple of fantastic photographs from the wonderful Cheryl, who is also a Blue Badge Guide, and she has been spending the day in an ancient house up in Thetford, which we mentioned a couple of times, one of which was when we were talking about Dulip Singh, um, and she sent an image of his grave that she saw today. And also we were talking about Boudica, who also has links up there. So she's sent some fabulous photographs. And I'll ask her if it's okay for us to put them um, up on our Instagram because they are pretty special. Yeah, thanks, Cheryl. She sent them to me as well. And it was it was really lovely just kind of seeing someone go in and find these people. It's just really nice. And the tombstones are really beautiful. Lots of like little carvings of mm. Corinthian columns and lots of leaves. It's quite beautiful. Really gorgeous. Thanks, Cheryl. Yeah. So that that's my notice. Thanks, that, thanks, Cheryl. That's my shout out to Cheryl. Um, oh, I've got a couple of little shout outs to do. The first one is to Wheeze Bowman. Um, and Wheeze sent an email in saying, in fact, the, the title was, I'm new to your podcast, dot, dot, dot. And I thought, oh, God, we're in for some serious oh. criticism here. Um, she said, in fact, your podcast this week was the first <laughs> one I've listened to. So Peter the Wild Boy last week was the very first one that Wheeze has listened to. Um, but I loved your remarks about the passing of the Queen. Of all the comments I've heard and seen, I found yours to be the most resonant with my own feelings. I'm not a monarchist, but I've loved the Queen for who she was. I feel like the world is now navigating a new 
reality. So thanks so much, Weez, because yeah, we really, mm-hmm. we really weren't sure Appreciate how to that. deal with it. Um, yeah, but we were pretty happy in the end, I think, with how we how we kind of talked about it. Um, yeah, very honest. Yeah, and just sort mm-hmm. of making, you know, just I guess figuring out what we thought about it whilst recording, which uh, yeah. I suppose is, is the most honest way to do it as well. Um, I've also got another yeah. shout out to um, Zara. Uh, Zara or, or Zira possibly, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it, sorry, um, from Dallas in Texas. We're over in America again. Woo! Hello. Um, and she's emailed <laughs> to say that she's just found out, well, she found out about her, her podcast in August of this year. It's been binge listening since. It's on episode 72. Oh, so, I mean, that's, yes. some, Zara, that's oh, some serious since commitment. August, 72 episodes. <laughs> Yes. That is a serious binge right there. I really feel Love for you, Sarah. I'm really sorry. <laughs> but thank you very much for sticking with it. She said she was in London for the first time um, ever uh, this past summer. And it happened to be during the Platinum Jubilee. And she's coming back next summer as well. Um, yeah, she said oh, she's Turkish-American and fell in love with London when she started learning English back in middle school, back when oh, she was oh. living in a tiny town in Turkey. One of the first books she ever read in English was a Sherlock Holmes book. She's amazing. <laughs> I mean, go big or go home, right? It's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, Sarah, for, um, well, not just listening, but also getting in touch. And we hope you enjoy them. So, yeah. Amazing. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Well, that's enough, Um, you know, blowing smoke up our own backsides. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on with this week's podcast. Where are we? Oh, well, no, before we do that podcast pedestal how do i always forget this this is literally our podcast uh, well i've got a bit of a bit of a confession there oh, Alex, because you're not the only one that can it, it didn't go up <laughs> but i just you know have been and i've just been a little bit out of it recently um Fair enough. so i am sorry if i didn't get up so we'll do double double podcast whammy next week or we can just say i won and leave it at that uh no let's not do that because you're already two ahead of me so we definitely won't do that so we're we'll do two next week okay (laughs) remember where we're off to this week uh no (laughs) no i don't sorry (laughs) where are we i never do either don't worry so (laughs) it landed in soho oh yeah and um, I i decided to talk about yeah, Jon Snow and the cholera epidemic of 1854. That's where we're. That's where we are this week. Amazing. Mm. Do you know much about it? I know he's in Game of Thrones. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, I do, I do know a fair bit about this actually because I um, I've done tours that encompass this. Um, yeah. But it's such a fascinating story and really hilariously i don't know why i don't know if my phone's listening to me spoiler my phone is listening to me um randomly i was scrolling and i saw a little video of somebody stopping is it kit harrington who played Jon snow um in soho kind of going oh i like your style mate and then they pan over and he's walking in front of the Jon snow pub and it's like whoa weird stuff but anyway oh, yeah. um, this is nothing <laughs> to do with game of thrones this is this is to do with poo um yes thank you alex for getting out of the bag there early uh, <laughs> yes i don't actually mention the word poo but um but yes um yes it's filthy we are i mean sometimes we do go filthy in terms of our 
last choices, but uh, this is this is physically filthy. Um, so I'm going to start by telling you a little bit about Jon Snow, who's kind of at the centre of this epidemic, um, and not just one epidemic. That's you know, there's been quite a few in the 19th century, but let me start with good old Jon Snow. So born in York. 1813 and his father works in a coal yard and it's actually when visiting his father that he first encountered a couple of people that were working with his father who had cholera so from a very early age he would have been aware of the effects of this horrible disease which it wouldn't have affected everybody. They say about one in 10 um, would be highly affected. So you would get stomach cramps, you would get leg cramps, you would lose so much water within a very short space of time that your body would go into shock. And it would only be a couple of hours later that you would have died. So, um, yeah, so it's either, you know, you're going to get away with it or it's going to completely take over you. Now, when he was 14, I mean, it just seems like such a young age, he started working with a very well-known surgeon, a man called William Hardcastle, in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, which, remember, because I will come back to at the end of the pod. Oh, okay. Um, so, and he was... He received a, um, a Doctor of Medicine degree at the University of London. He worked at the Royal College of Physicians. He reached an elite level at a very, very quick pace. And people were aware of him. Um, if you're walking around Soho, you will find a blue plaque, uh, which is just around the corner from the John Snow pub, uh, which obviously wasn't there at the time. Um, well, it wasn't called the John Snow pub anyway. Um, <laughs> so you can find a blue plaque to where he lived and for a little while he was actually um and this is a big word for me anesthesiologist that came out wrong but you know um (laughs) and he actually gave chloroform to queen victoria during two of her uh labors um yeah so he must have been quite up there to be able to you know be right next to the queen while she's about to give birth yeah, and I, I mean, that's pretty, was pretty the first, major. The first monarch, or the first queen, anyway, because let's face it, the men don't, anyway, to have, uh, well, a, a child under pain with, with painkillers. But wasn't she also the first person mm. to undergo anaesthetics, um, or was that one of the Georges before? Anyway, she might have been. It's early days. Or, I don't of, know about first person, but first. First monarch, yeah. It's either her or it's her son, I can't remember. Anyway. Now, during this time in the 19th century, there are obviously, well, I say obviously, mainly because we've talked about slums in the 19th century in London before. And we've talked about slums in Bermondsey. We've talked about slums, even on the first episode, the beer flood, we were talking about slums in St Giles, which is just up the road from Soho. And experts knew the risks, the health risks that were posed within the slums. And I was reading about the fact that you got slum tourism where you would have people coming from, you know, well-to-do backgrounds who would basically slum it, which I guess is where we get that kind of phrase from, to slum it, because they would, you know, don on scruffy clothes, they would put dirt on their faces and a little bit like bedlam where you'd have lots of people gawping on society that they can't imagine themselves being part of 
um, in that way, which is just awful, but it's something that um, that occurred around Soho quite a lot. And even though it was a very poor place with a lot of slums, you did have quite a few aristocratic people wandering around Soho because you had very uh, high establishments around the place where only the elite would go. I mean, especially when it comes to kind of um, sophisticated brothel houses, shall we say. Um, now, the area was known for cow sheds. So there would have been a lot of animal drop-ins around. There were slaughterhouses, grease boiling dens. And the sewer system hadn't really reached Soho at this point. And the sewer system around London, and we haven't, you know, got to the big stink of London yet. At the moment, I'm in about the 1830s. And the big stink was in 1858, wasn't it? Yeah, which is a very big turning point. Um, and I think we've we maybe mentioned it on one or two occasions, but we've never yeah, done a full episode on it, which <laughs> seems like a weird thing to want to do an episode on. But, you know, it's important. I know. <laughs> it's important i think you mentioned it when we were talking about the hidden rivers underneath Maybe. the streets of london um but yeah basically there's a lot of sewage and a few areas are starting to get a little bit better but this this idea hasn't really reached soho at this point and there were open cesspits there are a lot of cesspits right underneath the houses as well so um in terms of where you roamed and what you touched you were very very close to germs and bacteria um so people were getting sick all the time you know cholera was just one of quite a few diseases um the cemeteries as well which i think we touched upon quite recently on a pod so you've got too many people crammed in together too many burials too many bodies too many diseases and London had suffered quite hugely from two cholera outbreaks before the main one that I'm talking about. So in 1832 and 1849, just over 14,000 people died from cholera in London, Jeez, which is, uh, yeah, 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 it's huge. And Jon Snow knew about this, was writing about this. And in 1849, on the second epidemic, the second cholera epidemic, he wrote an essay which was titled On the Mode of Communication of Cholera. And this is all to do with a theory that he had, and this was to do with the germ theory. So he believed that people were contracting um, uh, cholera through a germ that they didn't know, they hadn't named, but he believed that it was something that you were ingesting, mainly in the water. And so you had this one theory. A lot of other people thought that it was something in the air, so some form of um, miasma, particles within the air that you were breathing in. And there was, was quite... Um, that was the, the kind of common theory about any... Uh... Um, sort of illness passing at that time wasn't it was mm. just the the miasma theory of bad smells equals disease which isn't obviously as we know now isn't isn't true bad smells can you know possibly say that something's wrong though but aren't going to communicate the disease to you um, but that's what they believed at the time yeah absolutely and a lot of people thought that john snow was mad you know and thought that his his views on the the germ theory was really peculiar mm. 
so this meant that he really had to talk to people and he would go around, he would talk to residents and he would tell them what he believed. And he would also question a lot about what they ate and what they drank. And his main focus was contaminated water. And at the time, I mean, this is, you know, before the Soho epidemic, he's actually, his research is mainly on the south side of the river, where you've got these two massive water companies. There's one in Southwark, there's one in Lambeth, and they are taking water from the River Thames and, you know, putting it through a system and then delivering it into people's homes. And you've got this kind of... um this horrible flow where you have the raw sewage and the cesspits, which eventually are being flowed or pushed out towards the River Thames. And then you have these water companies that are using that terrible water. And it is said that around the south side of London, it was the worst in the whole entire country. And it made me think, you know, when... I mean, I've moved so many different places in London, you know, northeast, south... And you, the water is really different mm. from one borough to the next, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I mean, I definitely, I mean, if you think that things have got better, I'm sure, you know, we're not at this level again, but I definitely taste the difference between the water that was coming out of the tap when uh, yeah, I lived in Rotherhive near the Thames to the water now. <laughs> Are you and saying I, I believe... they got the water out of the Thames? Well, I don't know, but I used to have to run it for quite a while before I was happy with the the water, with its kind of um, you know, with it to be clear. Wow. Whereas here in Broccoli, coming up south, I don't know if it helps being up near a hill, um, but it just see, you know, I turn the tap on and it's it's instantly clear. Wow. Okay. <laughs> a, bit of a, a bit of conspiracy theory going on there, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah maybe so maybe so <laughs> anyway so people knew that well not everybody knew john snow certainly knew that these two particular companies who were quite well known they were drawing water straight from the river thames and um there was one doctor who was on the side of john snow it was called dr hassel and he found that the water contaminated oh this is so disgusting <laughs> animal hair oh, <laughs> oh god <laughs> animal hair and foul substances and all sorts of different things and um oh god yeah just just not very nice at all and apparently the companies over on the north side of the river at the time one of which was new river company and another water company called the chelsea company their water um did not come directly from the river thames i mean surprise surprise people <laughs> in chelsea they've got good water um yeah, so he started to realise that people weren't getting sick in that area, which might seem really obvious. But in the 19th century, you know, people weren't really doing this amount of research. And you had to really take to the streets and go home to home, talk to everybody, find out what people were consuming, find out where the water main was in that area. So he did a lot of work, a lot of legwork, which um, a lot of people weren't doing at the time. And it's said that he questioned um, for his, you know, essay in the late 1840s, no fewer than 300,000 people. Goodness me. And that, I mean, that's a lot for a, a survey now. I mean, usually they say, oh, we did a survey. And it was like 30 people. But uh, but I mean, back then, goodness me, that's a lot of effort. 
Yeah, and he's talking to all sorts of people because the thing is, I mean, I, I joke about, you know, Chelsea having good water, but there was a lot of water companies where, you know, weren't serving particular classes. You didn't have, you know, the Chelsea Waterworks that was just serving the rich. You also had some very poor areas in Chelsea in the 19th century, and they were also getting the same water. So um, he really had to kind of just talk to absolutely everybody and try and figure out as well the water source, which in the 19th century to work out where all the pipes are coming from is a, is a big mission, the big mm. mission to take on. Um, now, also, they had uh, lots of studies in prisons because in the 19th century, there was a bit of a movement to get better water in prisons because a lot of the um, inmates were dying. And uh, a big kind of light bulb moment for him even more so was when uh, Holloway Prison changed from using water, which was coming up from the River Thames, which is quite a far uh, distance up in North London. And they changed it with um, a cleaner water source. And, you know, suddenly a lot of uh, people were getting, um, well, just people weren't getting sick. Mm. So there were lots of different tests that he was doing in different places as well. But... Soho outbreak in particular. So this was known as the most terrible outbreak of cholera which ever occurred in the UK. Um, 31st of August, 1854. Over the first three days, 127 people died and that is on or near Broad Street in Soho. Yeah. So suddenly... You've got a very teeny tiny area, and Broad Street is now called Broadwick Street. Yeah, just around the corner but, from know, Carnaby Street. Yeah, exactly. And you, you tend to get that, you know, if you've got associations with bad things that have happened, they will try and change the name, etc. So 127 people within three days, just basically on the street or just off of the street. So you know, he's trying to work out exactly where the main water source is coming from and where people are, are, are drinking, essentially. Um, and also, of course, washing in as well. Um, and during the next week, so you've got about, what do they say, about 500 people that die within 10 days, about 500 people. So 127 people within three days and overall about 500 people. And it probably would have been more, but a lot of people quickly fled, you know, if they heard um, that their, their loved ones or people living in their house, because you of course would have had so many people living under one roof, yeah. or if someone down the street had had it, then off they went. And uh, John Snow wrote, Within 250 yards of the spot where Cambridge Street joins Broad Street, there were upwards of 500 fatal attacks of cholera in 10 days. As soon as I became acquainted with the situation and extent of this eruption of cholera, I suspected that some, uh, some contamination of the water of the much frequented street pump in Broad Street. This is not, I mean, so his people... source. 500 people dying, you know, from one thing anyway, is a lot of people. But within, you know, one or two streets, firstly, it gives yeah. me a sense of how many people were there. Yeah. But secondly, just, I mean, that's huge, huge numbers. It really is. And, you know, to kind of go forward a little bit, oh, we'll come back to this, but can you imagine, it's going to take a very long time for people to want to go back there, to mm. feel safe there, especially because it takes a little while for people to actually still believe, you know, quite a few years later that it is the water. Mm. Um, 
but to then to drink in that area the association it must have taken so many years which is probably why you know they changed it to to broad street to kind of i don't know mix it up a little bit or have a a new lease of life um a lot of the victims actually went to a hospital not too far away uh middlesex hospital which they received treatment from superintendent florence nightingale shall we say no less my goodness yes it's actually believed that this is where the the name the lady um with the lamp kind of came about because it was at this time when she was just working all through the night trying to heal these people that had uh that had contracted cholera um so he talks to local residents he believes strongly that the source is the pump there were 61 instances alone in which uh, he was informed that the deceased persons used the pump used it directly um and a story that i actually got told by katie wignall who we've uh, talked about a couple of times on this tour um she told me that there was a bit of kind of confusion about suddenly somebody having cholera up in Hampstead, mm. an area where good water was being delivered to the people that lived up there. But it then came about that she was actually going down to Soho to take water from the pump outside uh, what is now the John Snow pub because she missed it so much. She lived yeah. in that area. Yeah, she she used to live in the area when she was a child and in fact, I don't think she was going down. She was sending her, her you know, she, she'd obviously yeah. come, come good and gone in yeah. some money and got, gone up to Hampstead and got some staff. And she was sending her, her sort of servants down to collect water from there because she missed the taste. Yeah. 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 Mad. Um, anyways, so uh, he convinced um, there was a parish that, you know, that it had to kind of go through St. James's Parish of Soho to have the handle of the pump removed. And even though, you know, a lot of people weren't 100% convinced, but the amount of paperwork he had, you know, documenting all the conversations, documenting the people um, having the effects from cholera, how many times they would use the pump, how much they would drink. In the end, he persuaded St. James's Parish that the pump had to be, or the handle of the pump had to be removed. But... I mean, he doesn't say that or he doesn't believe that taking that handle away stops the epidemic completely because he thinks at this point, you know, after a couple of weeks of taking that handle away, you've already got that wave coming down. So he was quoted in saying, there is no doubt that the mortality was much diminished, as I said before, by the flight of the population. And that's because, as I say, a lot of people very quickly left the area. Um, but the attacks had so far diminished before the use of the water was stopped that it is impossible to decide whether the well still contained the cholera poison in an active state or whether from some cause the water had become free from it. Well, so although annoying, actually, isn't it? Because you, you sort of want him to be able to just point at it and go, there you go, told you. But kind of yeah, exactly. So it's it's an important thing because without the pump... I don't think that he would have probably, I mean, created something in particular, which was a dot map, which illustrated how many cases of cholera there were that was connected to the pump. And actually this particular map went on to 
becoming quite well known. It's called the the Veronoi. I think I've probably pronounced that wrong. The Veronoi diagram, um, which was very new at the time, kind of mapping this all out with these little kind of dots. Um, and I, so, although the actual pump itself might not be, you know, the, the the stop of this epidemic, you know, stopping so many more people that would have died, because of this, it kind of it helped. Um, medical research after this to do it in the same way that he did in terms of the amount of research that he put into it yeah i think it's beyond doubt um, that it, it, it was will have, it will have helped yeah but or, yeah like you say maybe not the the only element of or the only reason why why it came down but it definitely yeah. helped i mean we we know now that he was right but yeah Absolutely. And also they ended up, this is like a few years later, but they they took fully the whole pump off and they discovered that the public well just underneath had been dug three feet from an old cesspit that had been basically leaking fecal bacteria. Um, apparently wastewater delicious wastewater from washing nappies used by a baby who had contracted cholera from another source so the fact that that's he's been able to kind of work his way backwards to that is pretty impressive and without the idea of the pump and the removal of the pump they wouldn't have realized how just one tiny little source you know, from a, and that's from a baby as well. The baby contracted cholera. So, you know, it was in the nappy. And then the nappy was within, you know, the, the cesspit. And that is what caused. So it really shows the movement of germs and the movement of bacteria, which at the time just wasn't thought about. It's very impressive, a very methodical uh, sort of scientific research, isn't it, as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is believed the uh, the publicans uh, of the pub that used to be there, which was called the Newcastle upon Tyne originally. I have to say, um, aha, uh-huh, um, the pub, um, yeah, the well, actually, there was a brewery there, and the people in the brewery did not, even though they were on the street, didn't actually uh, get the disease or anyone get ill, but. That's because they were drinking beer that was brewed that would have killed off the bacteria within the water. See, told you beer was good for you. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the the famous beer flood, of course. Yeah, um, it wasn't quite so good now for he... on that occasion, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he ended up writing a couple of papers, which it did take a few years for people to still take him seriously. And I guess you know they kind of didn't want to put it out too much because it would have scared people from drinking water and it was so important for people to keep hydrated and there wasn't exactly in the 19th century lots of different varieties of things that you could possibly drink so by scaring everybody and saying yes it's definitely within the water you know that would have probably have caused a a ridiculous amount of panic in turn, eventually, where we have the big stink in 1858, and we have the the father of all smells, um, what's he called, Basiljet, that helps us Joseph out by Basil creating Jet. Joseph Basiljet, who creates a, a super sewer that um, that stops the Thames from being polluted. And of course, you know, still today, you've got um, such a massive movement with with that. Pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes the old bowel movement your massive uh, yeah so now you've got the pub 
Um, so visually, if you go there on the corner, you've got the John Snow pub, which is wonderful because inside there's lots of memorabilia. There's pictures of him and there's pictures of what the street used to look like in the 19th century. And then you have a replica of the pump that's got the handle off to kind of, you know, uh, give a, a visual of, of what happens um, in the story. But because there was a few works a few years ago, the the pump, uh, the original site of the pump is, is not where the replica is today. It's a little bit kind of over, but there is a pink or reddish kind of mark on the wall, which kind of lines up where the pump would have been originally. And that's my story of the, the Soho epidemic. The Soho epidemic of cholera, goodness me. Yeah. I mean, it's such a sort of, it, it, yeah, it's a story that we all know as guides, don't we? For some reason, we are, I think I've mentioned this before, we're all obsessed with sewers. It's just a thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Well, do you not mind that you talk about <laughs> You might be my time? dear. <laughs> well, you, you do, just because, you know, London is just born of so much filth. Yeah, and, <laughs> um, and, and often still has filth there. Um, but, you know, we talk about Bazalgette, we talk about, well, the, his super sewer, the new super sewer that's happening at the moment. I always find that. I've t- <laughs> and I don't mean to. And then I sort of randomly go, I'm really sorry, gang. I'm talking about sewers. And they're all like, yeah, you weirdo. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Um, well, you know what? Since your episode on um, oh, what was it the the chapel with oh, the, the dead the, people, uh, Enon Chapel, the Enon Chapel. Sometimes I go past somewhere and I smell a scent, and I'm like, "There's dead people, like really close." <laughs> I smell dead people. I smell dead people, like literally, and you kind of just go, "What have I just passed?" And usually you realise that you've just passed a church or some kind of religious building. You think, oh, my God, what dodgy going on. Are you sure about that? I feel like you're maybe extrapolating a bit there. No, especially in the city of London. um, There's there's certainly some smells where you just move through an area and it's like massively untoward and it's like, (laughs) yeah, dodgy. <laughs> I'm not sure. Maybe I am sewer obsessed. Maybe you are. You see, yeah. I told you. Um, so yeah, yeah, come on, my tours for sewer talk, chaps. For <laughs> stink, chaps. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. No, oh, thank you so much, Emma. Great story. I th- I think it's always really fascinating, and I always love it when, especially since Game of Thrones, everyone walks through and goes, "Oh, they named a pub after him," and you you go. Let me tell you a story about poo and sewers. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so to be fair, you bring it on yourself, everyone. If you're going to ask, I will tell you about sewers. Exactly. Um, amazing. Thank you so much. Em. Great, great story. And yeah, like a really important one as well. Um, yeah. And I love this idea of the dot maps and, and all of that. Podcast pedestal. Podcast pedestal then. Where are you going? Oh, well, I get to choose first, don't I? Um, yeah. um, mm, 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 as those are the rules, um, what am I going to go for? So, oh, I mean, is it too obvious to go for the pump? <laughs> I mean, um, probably obvious to go to, for Jon Snow. That's maybe a bit too obvious. <laughs> that's a bit too obvious. Plus he's I the subject, so you can't go for go. I think I might go for Broad Street itself. Broad Street itself, okay. Yeah. I just think to know that and walk down the road today, which, you know, in terms of, um, although a lot of the houses have changed, it's it, it's the same kind of street layout. Yeah. Um, to walk down there and, and think how much has changed 
and yeah. the the level of fear that must have happened you know within the space of three days like you imagine where you live now and three days later you know saturday and you've heard that 127 people have died you would be so scared mate we had that last year with covid i don't want to go back there <laughs> no but that's you know yeah, this no, is I'm a joking. this is a higher degree on one street that's true um you know i mean we have of course we have, have been very close to that level of fear um but i i, I just think that yeah broad street that's what i'm going to go for that's broad street as a as an entity mm, good yes call. yeah that is yeah the sort of the, the community isn't it really it's where it, mm -hmm. where it all happened and like you said you know mm -hmm. two streets away the prison was fine because they were drinking different water and the brewery mm -hmm. was fine and all that sort of stuff. Well, I know exactly what I'm going to go for. Um, and it is Little Miss uh, Hampstead Lady. Um, because I think it's a really interesting bit. And as far as I'm aware, that's one of the bits that made him realise that it, it was from the water. Because there were these mm -hmm. out couple of outliers like her. And he sort of went, wait, what, what, what? And he had to really dig and find out. when. And when she kind of, they said, oh, yeah, she used to get us to get the water from there. It was just... It like, must have been like, bing! Oh my room. god. Absolutely. I'm right. <laughs> yeah. I'm right. I knew I was right. Um and apparently as well, she didn't just she didn't just um uh you know manage to, to end herself. She ended her I think it was her niece who was coming to visit her for afternoon tea and she thought, oh, I'll give her a treat, I'll get her some water from, from Broad Street. Mm. <laughs> uh, and both of them uh, went the way of all things. So uh so yeah, I'm gonna go for for a little hamstered lady and her penchant for filthy water. Yeah, I think that's a good one because it's definitely got like a, a line of juicy vibe where he's probably got all these pictures and things on the wall and it's suddenly just like dotted it together. I know who killed Heard that Vella. information. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And be like, sorry, which pump, which pump did she use? <laughs> um, close it down, yeah. close it down now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fab, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Cool. There's, there we go, folks. This, I, this, if I remember. <laughs> Emily remembers. I will remember. We genuinely have just our lives are just too busy to remember to do anything even remotely useful, are they? Yeah, so, I'm so anyway. sorry. So right. sorry. No, we both I don't want people thinking I'm, I'm abandoning the, the podcast. May I spent most of this week um, just crying in a messy living room trying to pack. So you did much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> genuinely, what a loser. Um, um, now so before we go. we go on to um, podcast, po not podcast first. So what's the other thing we do? The wheel of death. <laughs> the wheel of death. Oh wheel wow! Of death. The wheel of death. Um, <laughs> um, I do have something to tell people about actually, um, oh. because friend of the pod, Mr. Lee Ingleby, has two shows out at the oh, moment. Does he really? Two new shows. Right. What's he doing? What's he so, doing? First one is on BBC. It's called Crossfire. I binged Ooh. it today. He's very, very good in it. He's always very good. I hope he's not listening because his ego will get massive. Um, but yeah, he's very, very good in it. And it's about a um, super fun topic. It's about a, uh, a sort of shooting in a in a hotel um, that comes under siege and, and about all the people kind of involved in that. So that's on BBC. It's a three-parter. The other one, which I haven't seen yet, but some of my friends have started watching and said it's brilliant, is called The Serpent Queen. Now, given that this is a, a vaguely sort of history podcast and this might really interest people, it's on stars with a z with a z at the end uh, which i think you can get through amazon prime i think and it's all about catherine de medici 
um, who apparently was a bit of a nasty little so-and-so, hence why she was known as the Serpent Queen. And Lee plays her husband, the king, and he dies of a gruesome death. I haven't seen it, but I know this because he sent me pictures. So, um, yeah, Serpent Queen and Crossfire. So if you want to go and give a little shout out to our lovely friend of the pod, who will be back on at some point. I'll find out when I meet him for a beer next week when we're going to drag him back on. Um, But yeah, he will be back at some point. Uh, But he's got those ones out at the moment so go and go and support your local podcast your actor. local lee <laughs> locally <laughs> um but yeah. locally um that sounds fantastic i was looking for you know something new to watch so that's yeah. great i'm gonna get stuck into the serpent queen this week i think yeah so Ooh, lucky her <laughs> the wheel of destiny um right are you ready for the wheel of uh destiny yes i'm ready for the wheel of destiny right okay you ready for me to spin crack on oh oh i don't know if it's landed here oh no i think it has landed in russell square before i think Uh... i spoke about the Russell Hotel, did I? Oh, yeah, that was Russell Square, wasn't it? Yeah, God, that was ages ago. That was yours ago, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, Russell Square, Russell my Square. love. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to go for something that's just around the corner from there, which is the Great Ormond Street Hospital. Oh, good one. Because there's some really lovely stories to go in with that. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Great Ormond Street Hospital. It's a very nice. famous hospital for yeah. children, and yeah, I rather like yeah. talking about that. So I think we can, let's do that because I've done quite a lot of people lately, and I'm quite keen to do a thing or a, an event. So I think we'll go for that. Okay, super. I look forward to that next week, dear. Real. Great. Well, there well, you have it, it. For this week. Fab, another another great story. Thank you, Emily. You're welcome. And um, we'll see you all next week for some more lovely podcast stuff all about Great Home Street Hospital. Can't wait. Take Have care. a lovely week, everybody. Take Bye. care.